0: Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps.
1: The to worship this morning comes from the book of Psalms, and if you have your sword handy, then pull it out, my friends, and read along. If you don't, there should be one in the pew right in front of you, so you can snatch that up. It looks a lot like this one right here, okay? So if you have a, a Bible handy, book of Psalms, chapter 90, and the first four verses followed by the 14th verse say this, For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. And in verse 14, uh, excuse me, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Won't you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you so much for all that you give to us. We uh, have so much that we don't even realize that we have. And so very often, Uh, We take these things for granted, but, Lord, help us to be mindful of all that we have and help us to reach to you for opportunities to uh, be good stewards and help us to be mindful of those who are with us and are hurting, Lord, and uh, don't have all that uh, we may have ourselves. Help us to reach out to others around us, Lord, and be a sharing of uh, time and talents and gifts of uh, whatever you might have bestowed upon us. And now as we worship together, Lord, be with us, that we might be of like mind together as we learn more of that walk with you. For it's in your name that we ask all these things. Amen.
2: Please join me with the responsive reading. Scripture has two guidelines for us about debt. First, if we owe debt, we must repay it. Psalm 3721
3: says, the and do not repay.
2: Second, and better yet, avoid debt altogether, because it produces bondage. When you owe someone money, they, owe, they own a piece of you. The is a servant to the lender. We can also surmise from scripture that there are spiritual dangers of debt. The first danger is that debt presumes on the future. Every time we take on debt, we're presuming that we will be able to pay it back. The ad says you can afford $120 a hundred and twenty dollar month payment, and we believe it. While it may be true at that moment, we may not be able to pay it for the life of the loan. We do
3: not even know what will happen tomorrow.
2: The second spiritual danger is that we deny God the opportunity to teach us. He may wish to teach us about his love and provision, but we can deny him that opportunity. For example, I desire something I don't have the money for, but I buy it anyway and put it on my credit card. I can just imagine God saying, I am so sorry that you did that. I was going to have a friend give you that very thing. Not only have you denied me the opportunity to bless you and show you my love, but you've also placed yourself in bondage to debt. There's another way God sometimes tries to teach us. It's through withholding. For those of you who are parents, can you recall a time when your children wanted something that you didn't give them? Of course. Why do we sometimes withhold from our children? Because we know there are many things they want that are not in their best interests. They may be, that may be the way it is, with, it is with God. He desires to teach us through withholding but we can circumvent his intention by incurring debt to get what we want.
1: When the times are good, be happy. But when the times are bad, consider God has made the
3: one as well as the
2: other. The third spiritual danger is that debt often fosters envy and greed. We all have natural inclination to want more, and debt and credit can be used to satisfy the envious, greedy part of us. Beware,
3: don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much you
4: own. If you'd open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 21, beginning with the first verse. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them, for they put out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Over the years, God has repeatedly taught me about tithing and about giving to his church. As a young Christian, I thought I could, you know, manipulate when I gave and only to give the things that God had, you know, provided for me in excess because, of course, God was going to provide for all of the other things. But I really didn't quite understand that God should receive my first fruits, not my leftovers one of the things that I would kind of finagle with God was, you know, well, do you really mean 10% or is it 10% of the extra that I have? The disposable income. And so I would kind of work in my mind out how that might look. And finally, after thinking i knew better than what the scripture had said over many years i got into the habit of saying okay 10% right off the top let's go for it we'll give it a try we'll see what happens and in all the time that i have given of my first fruits of that 10% i have never had need of anything i have never gone without anything that i have have needed there's never been a day without food on my table There has never been a day without the clothes that I needed for my kids for school. Now, they didn't always get the brand that they may have preferred, but we were well clothed and we were well provided for. I took this into an attitude at our last appointment. Um, We walked into over $400,000 worth of debt, and that was a real struggle for me because The largest portion of that debt was to headquarters. And, you know, they can wait, right? And so I had to develop that same attitude. And so when we started to look at, okay, you know, are we going to be able to make payroll or are we going to, you know, pay our our centage that we need to to headquarters? And I said, no, pay the centage. We're going to, God is still going to provide. There's two weeks away till payroll God was faithful every time we paid what God had asked us to pay and he provided sometimes at the last minute but he never failed to provide and I want to encourage you to if you aren't currently looking at tithing from that perspective that this is God's request to us as his children to give me back a portion to further my kingdom Spend some time in prayer. Help him to change your heart. Help, ask him to help change your heart so that the first fruits are just automatically considered his so that as he shows us over and over again, he will provide beyond what we can think to ask or hope for. He often gives us many of our wants and wishes well beyond our needs that we need for each and every week. So I want to challenge you and encourage you. He's been faithful to me, and in not just in, you know, my personal finances, but also in core finances. When we've been faithful and done as He has asked, He has been faithful and provided all I could need. <laughs>
0: Everyone. Just want to introduce myself a little little bit. My name is Major Todd Tilke. My wife Kathy spoke a little earlier. We grew up in different places, and I grew up in West Bend, Wisconsin. My wife grew up in Janesville, Wisconsin. I went to a Lutheran church. She went to a Catholic church. Neither of us knew anything about the Salvation Army until after we graduated from the University of Wisconsin at Whitewater where we went to a small core, Janesville, Wisconsin, where I became the community center director back in 1984. And we didn't have any children at the time. And this core was struggling. There may have been 35 people there with lots of little kids with very few people to oversee them. The thing that held us, that showed us from our Youth for Christ days was a group of about eight very loyal Christian people and that core that held the core together. And the leader of that midweek Bible study and the um, Sunday school class was John Augustine. John and Chris were there as um, our first friends and His brother Paul and John and I used to play foosball in the game room and spend hours together discussing theological things, Salvation Army doctrine, history. Then we got involved in CBLI, and that really drew us to the Salvation Army because working for the Salvation Army, you see the good points of the Salvation Army, and you see the bad side of the Salvation Army. And I said, I'm never going to be a Salvation Army officer. Well, God had another thing in mind for us, and we listened to his call and gave my life completely to him. He put us on a glorious journey to share Christ with people and to share his goodness. said, what a wonderful job as a community center director. I get to bring my gym bag and my Bible, and I get to exercise, play with kids, and share God's love with them. And so that's the calling that I had received to be an officer In the Salvation Army, we have four children and now in four different states because they're grown up and we have one that's with us and who's 15 and we let him choose his home corps and he picked Royal Oak and he goes there and we go out three Sundays a month to different corps and either speak or observe and get to see all the wonderful things going on through the Eastern Michigan Division. I am the divisional secretary and the Detroit city commander, and oversee the um, opportunities in the city and all of the corps that are there. My wife does the programming for the division. And so that's just a little bit about us, and I wanted to share that with you, that um, the Augustines left you in the hands of some friends because they knew that we would share deeply with you. They love being here, and I know many of you told us that you love them, and it's a wonderful match. And we hope they could be here for many years with you. Today I want you to open up your Bibles to a little different section of the Scriptures than Luke 21. But let's go to the same story in just a little different um, context. Look at Mark chapter 12, beginning at the 41st verse. Mark chapter 12, beginning at the fir- 41st verse. This is the story of the widow's mite. Society today is motivated by money, by power, by earnings, by having great wages. Allowing money to influence us is something that God wants us to prevent. Money spoken about more than any other topic in the Gospels because God wants us to love God more than money and not to be controlled or used by money. I'll tell you a few stories. I like to talk about... Stories, illustrations, parables, jokes, different things that have meaning. So I want to share a few stories with you that are, slight, that are humorous. A man came to the Salvation Army, and uh, he said to the captain, Captain, my dog just died, and I want a Christian burial for the dog. And the captain shook his head and said, Sir, we don't hold funerals for dogs. Go down to the community church on the corner. They do a lot of crazy things. Maybe they would hold a funeral for your dog. And he said, okay, I'll go to the community church, but I want to ask you a question. What's the right amount of money to give as a donation for a funeral? I was thinking of giving $10,000 for my dog Bramwell. And he said, your dog's Bramwell? You didn't tell me your dog was a salvationist. Come on in and we'll make the funeral arrangements. Now, I tell that story because lots of times we can get influenced on the way we want to go on a mission as a church, programming, all following what money can come. But God wants us not to think of money first, but his will, his purpose first. And as was illustrated with my wife's topic of tithing, God will provide if we're doing his will. Well, the beautiful songs that Songster sang, I Surrender All, is really illustrated in this story. Let's read the scripture together, and then we'll look at it one portion at a time. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of the penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put into the treasury more than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. It's a Mid-Sabbath morning, and the crowds are getting large as they go up to the temple. And as they enter the temple steps, there is the outer court, the court of the Gentiles. And then there's the inner court, the, the court of women. And then there is the place where the men and the priests worship. Right at the part where the court of the women is, there is a side area, kind of a side room... ...that has boxes that are about this high and up from the top are almost like we would call horns... ...almost like the cradle of a horn or a large funnel made out of metal. And people would take coins, because they didn't have paper money or checkbooks or credit cards in those days, coins... ...and they would throw them into this funnel, this horn, and it would clang and make noise. And oftentimes they would announce the amount of money that they'd have or they'd have people announce... And Jesus was watching how people were placing their money in. It was public, and people were putting money in, and some were putting large amounts in. And one lady quietly went up and took two small coins. Maybe we would say today, fractions of a penny, two small coins, made out of copper like pennies. And these coins were so thin and so small, they were probably about one-sixty-fourth of a shekel, which would be, oh, a fraction of a penny, maybe one-tenth of a penny. And they're thin. In fact, they were so thin they couldn't even stamp Caesar's face on it or the amount. They just had a slight pressed pattern on them. And many of these coins haven't survived today because they were so thin and so small. They weren't worth very much. Oh, maybe today they would be 5 maybe $10 to us, I would guess, because she could buy a meal with them or a loaf of bread or something with them. And so she had that money along with her. And we need to picture this because when others were noticing how much people gave, Jesus looked at how much was left because he knew everything. And he could tell and sense what they were doing. He could tell from their heart. Well, usually when we look at the poor widow, we consider stewardship. And that is accurate. But there's more here to the story than stewardship. More of greater value to us than just giving money. But it's giving completely, surrendering all. This poor widow replaced the receptacle, two small coins, for the offering. In verse 42, it says two small coins. In the temple, there were 13 trumpet-shaped containers lined the wall of the court of women. They were made out of metal, so when money was placed in it, you would hear the money going in. Some sources say that giving would be announced, and the value of the gift to a priest would be shouted out for all to hear seven shekels for the temple, 20 drachmas for the temple. But in the case we have here, it appears that Jesus didn't need to hear the amount. He saw her place the two small coins in it. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a mall. And if you're at a mall, I like to sit down and watch the people. Sometimes you can see them go through and you wonder what they're like. And I think Jesus was watching the people. The reaction to All of the announcements, the people giving, whether they stood proudly, whether they gave kind of sheepishly like she may have because she was embarrassed on the amount that she gave. All men were required to give her the first fruits, but the landowners would give her their first fruits. About this time of year, they would call in for a harvest festival and bring in coins or bring in grain offerings or bring in sheep and other offerings. And they would give out of their harvest and their produce. This woman wasn't required to tithe. How can you tithe on two coins? Give one? Well, she wasn't required to tithe because she didn't own anything. And she probably didn't harvest anything. But she felt compelled to give anyways. She places two small copper coins into... The receptacle there. The coin was called a lepton or a lepta or a, a, Greek, a mite. And it was a very small fraction. Maybe one-eighth of a cent is what we would see today. And they were small. They could be have no portrait on, as I said earlier. And they were tiny. And she held those coins. She could have kept them. She could have put just one in. But not only did she not keep one, she gave all that she had. Now, Jesus is very impressed. The scribe should have been true to the example and aware that she gave something. And I don't know if it was announced or not. But Jesus, who sees all things, was impressed. And he said, calling his disciples in verse 43, he said, calling his disciples, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. She did not have to give it all. She could have kept one coin, but she doesn't. She gives all. Let me ask you a question. What is the value of her offering? The value is the total commitment. She put in all that she had. What was there left? Nothing. There was only herself and God. See, placing those coins in the offering was not placing coins in the offering alone. No, placing the coins in the offering was a phenomenal step of faith. Because she was saying, I'm not going to depend on money or what I have and what I can earn and what I can do, but I'm going to depend on God alone. There goes her next meal. There goes her next um, repair of her shawl. There goes her next day's dinner. We don't know what she sacrificed. But this was a great act of faith. Now imagine she gives her offering, turns and walks away. Did someone announce two coins, two small copper coins? Maybe she sheepishly was embarrassed. But maybe she was relieved. She said, I'm going to give the best I can. I'm going to give it all. And she put it in there. And she just felt a great burden lifting off her because she wasn't controlled by what she had or worried about what was tomorrow was going to bring. But she freely gave. Let me ask, who knew what she had done this? Did the priest know or even care? Maybe some were announced. But God, the one who knew everything, Jesus was aware that it wasn't a matter of the pocketbook giving out of what she had. It was a matter of the heart giving all she had. Is there a promise that everything will work out for her? No. Is there a continuation in the story so we know that maybe she went out and someone took her out home and gave her a nice dinner? We don't know the end of the story. The father who sees all saw that she gave. And he was excited that she gave her all. See, the scribes thought it was all about wealth and how much you gave. But it's not on how much you give, but on how much you keep hold of in your heart. And if you can release your all and see it as the woman did and realize that all good things come from God and that all things belong to Him, it's a freedom, it's a release because then you're not holding on to things tightly. Because most of the time, we see that people don't really want to give. They want to hold on to their money. And we hear more stories of people saying, I don't want to give, than I want to give. There was one member of a church who was a very wealthy man, and the church was going into a building campaign phase. So some of the men of the church decided to play, um, pay this uh, member, who doesn't attend very often, maybe on Christmas and Easter and a few other times of the year, a visit to share with them their great vision of a new church. And so he said, I see. He said, so you've all figured it out, have you, that I could give and be one of the lead gifts of this? But you didn't really know what's happening in my life, the older man said. He said, did you know that my mother was ill and recently died and I had to to pay off her home? Did you know my brother was hit by a drunk driver and isn't able to work anymore and has three children to feed? Or that my sister is in a coma at the hospital? And they felt very sheepishly and said no. And then finally said, if I wasn't going to give a penny to them, I'm not going to give a penny to you either. Because there are some people who have very hard hearts. And what we hold on to, we either love God or we love manna. We love God and money. You can't love both God and money. So this was a reflection on this woman's heart, that she could love God completely. Let's take a little bit closer look now. I want to share a quote with you from Samuel Logan Brangle. He says, We deny ourselves only when we voluntarily give up which we might lawfully keep. All I have no doubt, I have no doubt that God often allows us luxuries in abundance, not that we may consume them upon ourselves, but rather that we might deny ourselves joyfully for his dear sake and the sake of the needy ones about us. And that's heart talks on holiness. This poor widow made a critical step of release. She drops those coins and turns from her old life, a life where she took care of things, and she turns away from that offering towards a new life where she allows God to control everything, where she's free from burdens and worries and concerns. This passage could speak to us in several ways. We could talk about money and how important it is to give. We could talk about charity and helping others. We could talk about Jesus continuing to teach his disciples of surrendering, but this morning Jesus looked at right through this all and the, to the heart of this woman, and he saw that it's a hundred percent commitment to God is what he saw. No, it wasn't a hundred dollars that she gave, or a thousand dollars, or ten thousand, or a million, but she gave all that she had. The questions that come when I read this scripture is, how committed am I? Would I give my last $5 if tomorrow tomorrow it meant I'd have to go without lunch? Would I give $100 if it meant I wouldn't be able to get the latest gadget I'm interested in? You see, in the Salvation Army, one of the attractive things that we don't really talk about anymore is self-denial. At the times that the missionaries would go abroad, William Booth said he would go without pudding for a year just to give money to the missionaries to see his work continue. Now, can we go without maybe Starbucks coffee for a year or maybe something that's a habit of ours that we go without drinking pop for a long time? We see this and think through the Lenten season, we might give up for 40 days something to give back to God but maybe we've become too comfortable with our own lifestyle. Have we ever given to the point of sacrifice? I mean, given to submissionaries or given to a needy program to the point where it changed how we spend our money at the grocery store this week or how we have to look at and rebudget for the next month? Maybe we've never done that. But by doing that and giving to that level... God's saying, don't worry where your money comes from in these tough economic times, but give generously of the heart. See, she was willing, this widow was willing to give into the, herself into the hands of God because she had no one. In Levitical law, it meant someone else would have to help her with her tithe and she wouldn't be alone if she had some relatives to support her. One of the poorest types of people at that time was an older widow who could support themselves. They couldn't work, they didn't have children, and they didn't have anyone to support them. So she had to depend on either herself or God, and she chose to depend on God. How committed are you to God? Does your offering show it? Does your action show it? Does your lifestyle show it? She was willing to place herself in God's hands, and she was willing to, do, to give her all. In conclusion, I wanted to share one story that kind of wraps this all up. It's a story about a young girl and a father. And her loving father wanted to show some love to his daughter. Well, let me tell you the story. There was this cheerful... Curly hair, golden curly haired girl who went to a store, maybe a Claire's, and found this necklace. And it was just $2.99. But this little five year old girl didn't have $2.99. And it was a beautiful little pearl necklace. And she had a dress she thought it would go with really good. And mommy, mommy, can I have that? I have some money. And she opens up her little purse, and there's 75 cents. And she says, Well, if you help me with. Um, the dishes the next week. And if you help rake the leaves in the yard and go next door and volunteer to help rake the leaves of the neighbor next door, I'll get that necklace for you. And when you do all of those chores and you help, I'll give it to you. So they bought it and she put her 75 cents up and they bought the $2.99 necklace. She went home and she helped with the dishes. She raked the lawn, she helped her neighbor and she loved that necklace. She put it on and wore it to bed and everywhere she went. One day, her dad came into her room to read her a story and she said, Honey, do you love me? Yes, I do, Daddy. Would you give me your necklace? Oh, Daddy, not my necklace. I, I love this necklace. It's my favorite necklace. I'll give you my new doll I just got. And he said, No, dear, I'm more interested in the necklace. And he read her the story and he went off a few days later he came in and he said, Honey, do you love me? Do you trust me? Oh, yes, Daddy, I love you and I trust you. Would you give me the necklace? Oh, Daddy, not that necklace. You can have any of my toys, but not that necklace. And this went on for two weeks. And then one day, Dad came into the room to read a story to the girl, and the girl had her hand out. Yes, dear, Daddy, this is for you. And in his hand she put the necklace. And he said, oh, dear, I've been waiting for this. And he reached in his pocket, got out a a blue bag that was beautiful and a jewelry box, opened it up and put real pearls around her neck. And he said, dear, I've been wanting to give you a real pearl necklace to replace that toy one. Oh, daddy, these are even brighter. These are even more beautiful. Thank you, daddy. And off she went. Well, God's waiting for us. To give him what we cling to that is worthless and and we hold on to. And he wants to give us something of greater value when we trust him completely. And if we would just put ourselves in his hands, he'll do that today. So I want you to take a time of reflection. And we're going to sing the closing song, I'm in His Hands. And the song concludes with... um, Well, it's right here in your program, but we're going to sing the song. I'm in his hands. I'm in his hands. Whatever the future holds, I'm in his hands. The days I cannot see have all been planned for me. His way is best, you see. I'm in his hands. If you trust him today and you've kind of been wrestling whether you've been relying on your own strength or God's, maybe it's time that you just got that straightened out and you come forward and you pray. Or maybe you have and God's touched your life in a way and you're very grateful for, and then come and pray and thank him for what he's done. But today, let's place ourselves in his hands.
4: These words are very familiar to most of us in, in this sanctuary. But about two years ago, a new arrangement um, came onto the scene. And so I'm going to introduce you to the new arrangement of I'm in His Hands. I'm going to sing it through twice. And then on the third time, I will invite you to, to join in with me.
3: Shall we pray? Gracious God,
1: thank you for the gift of life, for the joys of each new day. Thank you for simple gifts of food to eat and water to drink. Thank you for work to do, even that when
0: that work is hard or monotonous. Thank you for the grace to be content in all circumstances, both in times of plenty and in times of need. And when you give extra blessings, whether they are material or spiritual, thank you for the ability to enjoy them. Indeed, all good gifts, including the gift of satisfaction, come from you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your boundless generosity. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadels Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Gersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint, and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.